You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. The Word, as you are able. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now we're going to focus on verses 10 through 13 this morning, but I'm actually going to read, and it's not going to be on the screen. I mean, you'll have 10 through 13 on the screen. I'm actually going to read down through 16. I think that's actually really important for us. So let me read the, the context of the text that we're going to focus on, okay? Again, focusing on verses 10 through 13, I'm going to read down through 16, or 17. Beginning in verse 10 of chapter 3. Paul says this, says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So, so those are the verses we're going to preach and focus on this morning. Let me read the rest of the context. But as for you, continue. And I want you to hang on to that word. That's the, the operative word, so to speak, or the central word of this entire section of text. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In this famous text here that you may recognize, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the Word of God for the people of God this morning. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray this morning, God, that you would come and help us to hear from you. Help us to listen to you. Help us to receive and respond to your word by the power of your spirit. Help us to to learn what it means to be people who continue to follow Jesus through thick and thin. I trust you to do this work in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. So the book of 2 Timothy, as we have been studying our way through it, um, has a core theme of what it means to be faithful until the very end. Okay, that's, the, that's the big kind of picture of 2 Timothy. It's Paul's final book that he writes. We know that the Apostle Paul wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. <coughs> we know that Paul... Um, is now writing this letter as his final letter to his young protege named Timothy, who was pastoring a church in the city of Ephesus that the Apostle Paul had planted many years earlier, right? So that's kind of the context. It's, it's Paul's last book. He's sitting in prison. He's in chains. He's, he's about to die for his faith. He's about to die for his ministry, for the preaching of the gospel. He's about to be beheaded. Um, and, and he's writing these final words to young Timothy <coughs> to encourage him to remain faithful until the end, no matter what happens. Knowing that, and then he 
you zero in on the words that we just read as we were coming to the end of the book. And he's saying, hey, you've, you've followed me this long, Timothy. I want you to continue. I want you to continue walking forward. Continue following Jesus. That's really the essence of what's going on in the text. I look at that, I think about it, and I think about the Christian life. I don't know what it was like for you when you first started following Jesus. For some of you, that was not long ago. For some of you, you've been following Jesus since Noah built the ark. Um, The Christian life, I think, just like a lot of other things, you know, whether it's marriage or friendships or family or new job, a lot of times you get into something new and you go, man, this wasn't, this wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Right? It was not what I was expecting. And I think um, it's books like 2 Timothy that I think kind of help to peel the blinders back oftentimes if we have some kind of weird fuzzy view of what it means to be a Christian. The reality, I think, especially as I read this letter and study, especially as I think about the Apostle Paul, I think about what he's saying to Timothy about following Jesus. I think about my own journey in following Jesus. I've been following Jesus now since June of 2000, so it was almost 22 years. Um, I think about the journey, and I, and I go, you know, really the Christian life is, is uh, it's not for the faint of heart. Right? Um, I think there is kind of a false notion in Christianity today, or at least in the world today, um, that, that would kind of tell you that Christianity is all about attaining something good, something new. Yes, yes, we are to attain salvation, right? Every, every person who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes, this is good. Rescued from the consequences of our sin by the work of the person who we made war against, Jesus, right? That's, that's a great message. Yes, we gain that. It's good. We get that. And yet, I think there's a false notion about Christianity. That, that Christianity is actually all about attaining some kind of health or wealth or knowledge or prosperity or some kind of a, like being a better version of the you that you want to be, right? Like there's all these different really weird false notions of what it means to be a Christian. And yet, yet I think think the more that you study the scriptures and the more that you live this life of following Jesus I think the more you're going to find I'm sure many of you would agree following Jesus is actually a very difficult thing to do right I think anyone who thinks that that following Jesus if you you think that it's going to be a walk in the park right I mean you think about that notion in the first place you think it's going to be a walk in the park and to, to follow a Savior who was crucified on a cross on a hill called Calvary. Like, if that's where we're at, then somehow I think we've severely lost touch with reality. And not to mention the basic message of Christianity. You think about that message. The message is Jesus comes and He's a self-sacrificing Savior. He goes to the cross with joy for the salvation of His enemies so they might become family. That's the message. And it's not just in the New Testament when you see that. You go all throughout the Old Testament and you see God continuously laying Himself on the line for the salvation of His people. For the restoration of His people. Those whom He has called by His name. I think 
the other side of Christianity. I think especially in the West more than anywhere else is we have a tendency to turn Christianity into a social club or another activity that we attend throughout the week, right? We turn into one of those two things. And I think to do that, to turn into a social club or to turn into some other activity that you just attend every week, I think that's to rob yourself of the true blessings of what an obedient but oftentimes I think painful lifestyle um, that is actually centered on the cross of Christ results in. Um, I don't think that anybody who buys a cheap bag of lies about Christianity being something really, really easy is going to continue following Jesus when the rubber of Christian living hits the road, especially when painful circumstances. And not just like, hey, I, I just faced something really hard, but more like circumstances of persecution and that kind of suffering. When that sets in, if you bought a cheap bag of lies about Christianity being a, an easy path, I think you tap out. Because I think persecution is hard anyways. And I think that this is what the Apostle Paul is getting after in our text. Right? He desperately wants to help young Timothy to continue following Jesus. And when you think about the Apostle Paul, uh, more than anybody else, the Apostle Paul has experienced exactly how painfully difficult it is to continue following Jesus when the going gets tough. Paul, Paul knows that his time on this earth is coming to an end. It's coming to an end in a painfully horrific way. He's going to get beheaded for his faith, and he wants to encourage young Timothy, continue following Jesus. And the question is, how's Timothy going to keep doing that? You, you ever kind of walked into one of those situations or circumstances in your life where you were like, I don't, I don't know how to continue moving forward. In those situations in your life where you go, I don't know what it looks like to trust Jesus or to follow Jesus through this, whatever this circumstance was for you. You ever have those, those moments? Paul knows, I think, that Timothy's going to have those moments. I think God knows that we're going to have those moments. Moments where we question. Moments where the road ahead looks dark and dismal. Where we've hit a bump in the middle of the road and we feel shaken. And it's in that moment when we're asking, how do I continue to follow Jesus in the face of X, Y, or Z? And I think Paul wants to give us, God wants to give us some rock-solid answers for that. First thing that Paul says to Timothy is he says, remember my lifestyle and my character. That's one of the very first ways Timothy can continue following Jesus when the going gets tough. It's to remember the Apostle Paul's lifestyle and character, his godly lifestyle and his godly character. Now, think about this with me. I, I, I would tend to believe that we probably all have a memory of somebody that is invested in our lives. Who was that for you that invested in your life? that invested in you specifically. A person that possessed a, a godly lifestyle, that, that had that godly lifestyle, but was also matched by their godly character, right? This is somebody who invested in you, wanted to see you grow, and walked in front of you and set that example. This is somebody whose life you have observed, somebody that you would like to emulate. 
The Apostle Paul is that person for young Timothy. Right? And when the going gets tough, what Paul wants for Timothy is he wants for him to get strengthened by this example, his own example of a godly lifestyle that was backed up, matched, founded by the godly character that Timothy had actually witnessed in the Apostle Paul. That's why Paul reminds Timothy, verse 10, remember how closely you have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. What's he talking about? He's talking about a godly lifestyle and godly character is what he's talking about. And he's just given us descriptive words of what a godly lifestyle and godly character actually looks like so that we don't have to wonder See, when the prospect of following Jesus was going to get hard, the Apostle Paul is hoping that Timothy will be strengthened by the reminder that Paul's lifestyle was marked by a few things. His lifestyle was marked by his devotion to teaching the gospel. He would have never, never questioned if the Apostle Paul was devoted to the teaching and the preaching of the gospel. Right? His lifestyle was marked by his rock-solid conduct. Right? His conduct, the way that he conducted his life when no one was looking. No one would have questioned that. His lifestyle was marked by his purpose in life. Right? He says, I have an aim in life. What was his aim? What was his purpose? I can assure you that his purpose was not to build the great American life with a large home and a two-stall garage and 2.5 kids and so on and so forth. I can assure you that that was not his aim in life. I can assure you that his aim in life was the salvation of the lost through the preaching of the message of the gospel. And Paul is saying, remember my godly lifestyle. But Paul's godly lifestyle would have never been on display. Think about this. He would have never even seen Paul's godly lifestyle had the Apostle Paul not actively pursued and attained and, and possessed godly character, right? Um, when you think about your lifestyle, our lifestyles, all they do is tell the story of our character. That's all they're doing. The things that you do in your life actually tell the story of what's happening deep down inside your character. The Apostle Paul wants Timothy to remember that in everything, Paul's lifestyle, at the way that he lived his life, it actually overflowed like a fountain from the deep reservoirs of, of the godly character that was full of some specific things. You look at the words that Paul used uses to describe his own character as full of faith, full of patience, full of love, full of steadfastness, which according to most commentaries is another way of saying hope. You might be reminded that throughout Scripture we get a picture that faith, hope, and love are the virtues, the, the character traits of a godly person. And the greatest of these is what? Love. Think about the Apostle Paul. I think that he was a man who trusted in God in every circumstance. Every circumstance came along his way. Paul trusted and trusted and kept on trusting. He was painfully patient. You think about the Apostle Paul's life. If you know anything about it, 
And I would encourage you, if you don't know much about it, man, do an examination of his books and read it through the lens of a man who has sold his life out for preaching the gospel so that the lost might get saved, so the believers would be challenged to grow. The Apostle Paul was painfully patient with those who opposed him. He loved even his enemies. And he, he loved them by continuing to preach the gospel to them. And again, I think he remained steadfast, filled with hope. I mean, at one point, the Apostle Paul talks about um, how the whole imperial guard, right, the, the, the ones who have him in chains, that many of them are beginning to trust in Jesus as well. Why would the imperial guard, the, 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 his captors, the ones who had him in chains, why would they have started to follow Jesus? Well, I, I think I think of the Apostle Paul, and he's like, you got me in cuffs. I'm handcuffed to you. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about anything other than the gospel. Like for him, this was an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Can you imagine that? And the result of that is that even his enemies, even those who opposed him, even those who were going to be ultimately responsible for his death. Some of them were coming to Jesus. Whew. That's the Apostle Paul. Remained steadfast, filled with hope, looking forward to being martyred for his faith. That's the picture of the Apostle Paul. Godly lifestyle, godly character. And he's saying, hey, Timothy, you can be encouraged by this. You can be strengthened by this. You can be encouraged and strengthened to continue following Jesus by remembering my godly lifestyle and my godly character. Second thing I think the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, um, and it's actually really clear in the text, right, in verse 11, um, he's saying, hey, if you want to be strengthened to continue following Jesus, just remember my persecution and my suffering. Remember that. Remember my persecution and my suffering. Now, the topic of persecution and suffering not a light and fluffy topic, right? No rainbows, no unicorns in the conversation. The reality here, when you think about persecution and suffering, is that Jesus actually promised us a life of persecution and suffering if we are going to follow him. You look at that in John 15, verse 20. We've been promised that this is the life we are to live, is a life of persecution and suffering. There's never a promise in Scripture that we're going to live a life of comfort. It's always a promise that we will suffer and be persecuted. I think when we think about persecution and suffering, it's hard for us. There's a disconnect because we know the way the Apostle Paul is suffering and being persecuted. And we've never faced that. I don't think any of us in this room have ever faced that. We may one day... We watch movies about it, or, or we, we, we read stories about it, or we see maybe things on the news about people in other countries that are being persecuted, who are suffering horribly for their faith. But, but we live a relative ease and freedom in our country. Praise God. Thank God for that, right? But So I do think there's an easy disconnect. But I think the disconnect can go one of two ways. We start thinking that every time somebody takes a jab at us on Facebook, oh, persecution and suffering. <laughs> you know, we freak out, and it's like, come on. Um, or, or on the, you know, on the other side, it's like, yeah, you know, just, I, got, I got a pretty easy life. Um, there are some ways that I think we face suffering. Think about some of these scenarios. Unbelieving spouses. 
you have an unbelieving spouse, can sometimes be very cold towards their believing spouses, right? That would be some kind of form of persecution or suffering. You have unbelieving children, if you're a parent, who would say harsh things to their parents simply because they're believers. Maybe you have an unbelieving employer. Uh, you make it really hard on the employee who is a believer. Or maybe, maybe a, a group of unbelieving friends who may belittle you for taking a stand against something really ungodly. These are just some scenarios in which I do think we, even here, right, in, in relative ease, would experience some persecution and suffering that does fit and, and, and it builds the bridge across from Paul to us, right? Sure, we're not going to get beheaded for our faith tomorrow, most likely. Yet I do think we face some hard things as Christians. And here's the reality. The reality is that there's only two teams in this life. you got Satan's team and you got God's team. That might seem overly simplistic, but it's really all there is to it. you got Satan's team and you got God's team. And if you wear the jersey of God's team, then the other team, Satan's team, is always going to do whatever they see their captain doing. What is the captain of Satan's team always doing? He's always seeking to steal to kill, to deceive, to destroy the players on God's team. It's been going on since the Garden of Eden, right? In fact, part of God's promise to Adam and Eve after the fall in, in the Garden was simply this. There's going to be enmity, war, between the seed of Satan and the seed of Eve. Between those two teams. Now the Apostle Paul, obviously writing this to young Timothy, He's reminding Timothy of his suffering, his persecution. Apostle Paul has a theology of what it means to suffer. He also has a theology of what it means to have two teams playing. He knows, and he wrote, our battle's not against flesh and blood opponents, right? In Ephesians 6. The reality is Satan does use flesh and blood players on his team to inflict persecution and suffering on God's children to throw them off their game. And let me say this. The people who cause the most trouble for Jesus and the people who cause the most trouble, the most suffering and persecution for both Jesus and the Apostle Paul, they were not the quote-unquote unbelievers of the world. They were those who were sitting right there, should have been sitting right there in the church gathering. In that day, it was the Jews. They were the holier-than-thou. So it's interesting when you see it in that context, too. These are actually religious folk. So this is why the Apostle Paul reminds Timothy that he's going to continue following Jesus. He needs to remember what? He says, remember my persecution. Remember my suffering. Verse 11. That happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. Parentheses, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. It's interesting. Uh, you might make a note, Acts 13 and 14. If you were to read Acts 13 and 14, this is where you read the account of the persecution and suffering that the Apostle Paul endured in those cities that he just talked about. Antioch, Iconium, and, and, and Lystra. If we had time, we would go there. So that's why I say take a note and go read it. It's a fascinating story because the Apostle Paul is preaching the gospel. And again, those religious folks who, who should have been on Paul's team, right? They should have been. Knew the Bible better than anybody else. Grew up in it, right? Those people, the Jews, they stoned Paul. And Timothy witnessed this. 
And in fact, they drug Paul out of the city thinking he was dead. They're like, we just stoned the ever-living crap out of this dude. He's dead. We ain't got to listen to him anymore. And they drug him outside the city, and they left him laying there for dead. And it's like one of those WWF scenes, I think. Because the undertaker just always sits up, right? That's what I think kind of took place. The Apostle Paul just sits up, and he's like, yo, I'm fine. And all the disciples around him, I think, are in shock. Because he's okay. And what do you think he does? I'll tell you, like, my first instinct is if I get stoned in a city with rocks, is to probably go to a city where they accept me, or at least go to a buddy's house and lick my wounds and have a cold drink and some good food. You know, like, you know what he does? He goes right back into the same city where they just stoned him and started preaching the gospel some more. I love that picture. The dude had some stones, right? (laughs) Sorry. How else do you say He did. Like, how else do you say that? Like, I love old westerns. Y'all know that, too. Like, that's a scene from an old western movie, right? Gunslinger, good guy, think he's dead. Nope, gets up, walks back into town, takes out the bad guys. Just, that's the Apostle Paul. He looms large in my mind. And I think this is what, the, this is what Timothy would have remembered when Paul brings this up. He's like, yo, you watched it. You were there. You saw it. I want you to be strengthened by the memory of how the Lord rescued me. (coughs) Not to mention, I think if you you take this whole thing, you kind of play it out to its logical end, you have to be reminded that the Lord is going to very soon rescue Paul one last time. One last time. The Apostle Paul is going to get rescued by Jesus. I think it's beautiful. Because not very long from now, one last time, the Apostle Paul is going to lay his head down and he's going to get beheaded. His head's going to get severed from his earthly body. And in that moment, simultaneously, he's going to experience that once and for all rescue from Jesus as he walks into heaven. And in my mind, he's clutching the W for, for, for believers for all of eternity in that moment, right? Like if Timothy is going to continue following Jesus, you're thick and thin. When, when, it seems like, when it seems like it's the fourth quarter, right? Well, we've all experienced this enough lately if you watch Husker football. But man, when you're walking through life, it feels like it's the fourth quarter. You're down by three scores. Timothy's going to need to remember, we need to remember that not only was Paul's lifestyle and character godly, but his persecution and his suffering it's super important to keep us walking forward. Keep, keep following Jesus. Continue following him. You observe and you think about Paul's persecution and suffering. Here's part of the reason why. Without that persecution and suffering that the Apostle Paul experienced, imagine this, there would have been no rescue. He would never have this story to tell had he not faced the persecution and the suffering. No, no rescue to speak of. Which in conversation with our elder team earlier this week, we, we began to discuss, uh, what does that say for those of us who have not faced persecution and suffering? If you're not facing that, if you're not experiencing that, what does that say about the, the vitality of your Christian experience? At the same time, then you, you would never get to experience the kind of rescue that the Apostle Paul is talking about. Third thing that I noticed the Apostle Paul points out to Timothy is that he needs to remember the truth. Okay? 
basic and simple. Remember the truth. Now the reality is this, the truth is the bedrock or the foundation of continuing in this life of following Jesus, right? We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And when the wheels start to fall off the bus, when persecution and suffering comes knocking on your door, I think the only sure and steady thing that's going to anchor your soul to the hope of the gospel is what? It's the truth. It's the truth that sets us free. And I think this is why the Apostle Paul reminds Timothy of a very specific truth, okay? He reminds him of a very specific truth that he needs to hang on to as he continues to follow Jesus. Well, what Paul does not do, as we are so often good at doing, is he does not just give Timothy some light and fluffy, kind of glamorized um, Christian truth. You know, we see these all the time. Um, We probably get good at speaking what is called Christianese. It's just like a secondary language. It's kind of weird. Um, you know, somebody's suffering. It's like, oh, bless you, brother. You're going to be okay. Yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> um, the Apostle Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't try to give the, Timothy some light and fluffy truth about how things are going to get better soon, as if that could even be called truth anyways. Right? He doesn't do that. Gives him a very specific truth. He wants Timothy to remember that when persecution and suffering comes knocking on the door, verse 13, remember that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. The question is, do you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? If you want to, then let me tell you what you're in for if you say you want to. It's not just a get out of hell card. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is a true statement that Timothy can hang on to. And Paul is simply saying, hey, don't be alarmed. Don't be shaken. Don't be frightened. When persecution and suffering comes knocking on your door, when the person you once believed was a brother or a sister who then turns against you and acts in ungodly ways and persecutes you and causes suffering to come in your life, know that if you want to live a godly life, this is a promise for your life. You will face persecution. You will face suffering. It will come knocking on your door. Godly people will suffer. Godly people will suffer. Ungodly people, imposters. I love the fact that Paul uses that harsh word. Imposters. They're fakes. They're not real. They pretend to be believers. They even speak some of the Christianese language. They show up and they sit in gatherings. They might even give a little bit of money. They might pray sometimes, but they're imposters. Fakes. Frauds. Phonies. Right? That's the word he's using. Godly people are going to suffer. Ungodly people, imposters, they're going to face the eternal consequences of going from what? Bad to worse. You're going to go from bad to worse. Because they're constantly walking in the darkness of deception. The blinders on. They can't see. They've not been set free with the truth. This has been a theme of the entire book. There are Leaders, members even present, the Apostle Paul keeps referring to, they are false teachers. They're imposters. 
They're going to go from bad to worse. So the outcome for godly people is what? Suffering and rescue. You're going to suffer, but you can suffer well because you will be rescued. The outcome for ungodly imposters is eternal darkness. I think sometimes about the disciples that uh, traveled with Jesus. When you think about Judas, there's not one of us that would have ever thought Judas was Judas. You get the sense, right? We know that his name was Judas. We would have known that. It's easy. But we would have never known that he was going to be the betrayer. We would have always thought he's he's in. Judas is a good dude, right? He's a treasurer. He's holding on to the money. He's doing good ministry. He's even concerned about the poor because at one point he even starts talking about, hey, what if we could save some money here and help the poor out? Of course, Jesus rebukes him. He had the very look of Christian on him, yet he was an imposter, a fake, a phony, a fraud. And he went from bad to worse, didn't he? No rescue for him, but rescue for the rest. Every other disciple in the story, when you look at Jesus' story, every one of them faced horrible death. Peter, um, crucified upside down. Not worthy enough to be crucified like his Savior. Paul, beheaded for his faith. John, boiled alive in oil. Couldn't kill him. (laughs) He just, dude wouldn't die. John wouldn't die. Um, They tried, I think multiple times. I think they stoned him, so on and so forth. They banished him to an island, Patmos. There you go, go be alone. Christian life is hard. It ain't easy. And I think that's, that's my conclusion. It simply is not easy. And you've got to be prepared, somehow, to follow Jesus when carrying your cross seems to be more than you can possibly bear. And from the text, what I've learned, I hope what we've learned together, is that we can continue to follow Jesus by remembering somebody else. Remember somebody else's godly lifestyle, somebody else's godly character. Remembering how someone else endured persecution and suffering. Remember how someone else experienced God's redemption. Remember how someone else um, has always spoke the truth to us. Remember that you're going to suffer. Evil people are ultimately going to pay the price. (coughs) There will be a judgment day. Who is that person for you? I think that's the way you leave it, because that's what the Apostle Paul has done with Timothy. Who is that person for you? Who is it that modeled a godly lifestyle and godly character for you? Who is it that endured persecution and suffering faithfully in front of you? You've watched them. Who is it that constantly reminded you of the hope that you have in a bloody cross and an empty tomb and a promise of heaven because of Jesus? Who is that person for you? And let me ask this. If you're a believer, who is it that you're being that person for? Who is it that you're being that person for? So the image of that person for you, or the image of you for another person, that's what I believe helps us to continue following Jesus through thick and through thin. Amen?
you stand with me? Father, thank you for your word as we close our time. God, I pray that you would come. Come and minister to our hearts. Uh, maybe bring to uh, memory that one person, or maybe it's multiple people, that you, by your grace, your sovereignty, you place in our lives someone who might lead by example in our lives, that brought us to you, that reminded us of you, that helped us to walk forward, that that person that was available to us when we were facing persecution and suffering maybe and didn't know how to put one foot in front of the other, and yet, yet you placed that person in our lives to encourage, to strengthen, to say keep moving forward. Bring that person to mind for us, and also, Father, please bring someone to mind for us that we might be that person for and help us to commission our hearts in that direction. And at the same time, Father, I pray that you would give us a reminder that ultimately, at the end of the day, Jesus is the ultimate expression of that friend. We know that Jesus was the friend of sinners. And in terms of lifestyle and character, Jesus was perfect. He did what we were unable to do. And he faced persecution and suffering to the nth degree. Went to the cross on our behalf. And from that cross said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He recognized the spiritual blindness, and yet he still loved his enemies well. I still remember Pontius Pilate standing there and asking Jesus, what is truth? While Jesus, the embodiment of all truth, stood right in front of him. Lord, help us not to miss the fact that Jesus is the truth that sets us free through his work at the cross. And as we go to communion, Father, I pray that... Uh, for you help us to remember the work of Jesus at that cross, his shed blood, his broken body on our behalf. Help us to be people who find our strength and find our encouragement at the foot of that bloody cross. Help us to hang on to the victory of the empty tomb. Help us to find hope and encouragement and strength in the promise of eternity. I trust you to do that work as we close in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.